Okay, girls, 10 more minutes to fresh baked Christmas cookies. <laughs> oh, I think that we have just enough time to read a story. All right, come on over. This one is called Vanessa's Baby Doll. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Vanessa. She was five years old with big brown eyes and freckles on her cheeks. Vanessa lived in a big house with lots of other children. Some were older, some were younger. But like Vanessa, each one of them wanted the same thing, a family of their own. The children were orphans, which means that their parents had died or were unable to take care of them. The big house was an orphanage run by Ms. Jennings and her staff, who were working to find forever homes for Vanessa and her others. On this particular day, Vanessa was feeling lonesome. Her best friend Charlotte had moved away, and Vanessa had no one to play dress-up with. The adults were decorating the orphanage for Christmas, and the older kids were helping. Vanessa worked, too, for a bit, but it wasn't much fun. She busied herself for a while with crayons and blocks and took an extra-long nap. When Vanessa woke up, She went into the playroom where a small Christmas tree now stood. Miss Jennings was nearby, humming a Christmas carol and placing gifts under the tree, one for each orphan. All of a sudden, Vanessa felt like crying. She didn't know why, but the tears rolled down her face. Miss Jennings rushed over. What's the trouble? Vanessa tried to explain, but all she could do was hiccup a few nonsense words between sobs. Miss Jennings quickly went to the tree and brought back a gift with Vanessa's name on it. We were going to open presents tonight, but I think you can get a head start. The box was wrapped in cherry red paper with a green bow. It was almost too pretty to tear into, but Vanessa couldn't resist. As she opened the box... Two blue eyes stared up at her. Removing the rest of the tissue revealed a smiling baby doll. Oh, she's so pretty, Vanessa exclaimed as she nuzzled the figure in her arms. I'm going to call her Naomi. I like her. She gives good hugs. With Naomi in her arms, the orphan forgot all about her lonely mood, and she and the other kids enjoyed Christmas Eve together singing songs, unwrapping presents, and eating snacks. Naomi was indeed a wonderful gift for Vanessa. She believed there would never be anything better. But the very next day, Christmas Day, Miss Jennings gave Vanessa the best present in the world. She introduced her to her new forever family, the Butler's. A tall man with glasses and his red-haired wife, who had freckles on her cheeks, too. They both smiled a lot and also gave good hugs. The end. Oh, I think the cookies are done. (laughs) But first, time to give good hugs to Grandma. (laughs) Oh, love you girls. Okay, let's go get the cookies.
That is my son's favorite Christmas song. And didn't Albert and the team do an awesome job with that? Can we just thank them again? I'm actually going to sneak my son into the next uh, service so he can hear that too. And when we talk about that song, me and him, you know, one of the things that is so interesting to me is to think about that. What did Mary really know? What did she understand about her part in the Christmas season? Because there's stuff in the Bible that indicates, clearly she knew that the baby she was carrying was God's Savior. Like the one who would save the world and the people in it. 
But a lot of the details were a lot murkier than that. And in Mary's own life, that Christmas season did not feel normal. A lot of the pieces are are chaotic. And you and I probably know a little bit of what that feels like. For you and me, sometimes Christmas feels exactly like Christmas is supposed to feel. But sometimes it just doesn't quite. And sometimes it's good. It's, It's not always a bad thing. My brother, for example, got engaged this year, which means for the first time ever, he is going to be spending part of his Christmas with someone other than his core family. It's not a bad thing, but it is different, and it's funny to listen to him try to process that. You know, or one that, you know, maybe you can relate to a little bit. Uh, You know, Albert, who was just singing, normally Albert sings Oh Holy Night at our Christmas Eve service every year. But lately he's been having some issues with his vocal cords, and so a couple months ago he came to our team and said, this year I think I need rest. And so he's not going to be singing with us for Christmas Eve. I know. Like, I'll, I'll miss that. And one thing I'm thankful for is at Horizon, we have such an incredible team, and I'm a little bit ahead of you guys because I got to watch them do the run-through a couple nights ago of what is planned for Christmas Eve, and it's incredible. But there's something in us sometimes that, that feels a little bit like it's not really Christmas like until I watch that one movie. You know which one you just thought of, right? Or until I hear that one song or I eat that cookie or I eat those cookies. <laughs> Maybe if I sit by the fireplace and read the Christmas story, then that will help me feel like it's, like it's really Christmas. And we end up chasing that feeling a lot. And I wonder in those moments if we don't feel a little bit like Mary, trying to understand, like, how do I think about myself in the middle of the Christmas season? In the middle of my own Christmas story. Because you know the Christmas story, Right? It's that one about a little boy who wants the, what what is it, a a 200-shot red rifle, air action rifle, right? That's a Christmas story. (laughs) The Christmas story. That's the one that starts with, in the days of Caesar Augustus, right? And everyone's going to their hometown to be taxed. So Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem, and this is what happens in Luke 2. So it was that while they were there, The days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. That's the Christmas story. That's what the whole season is about, right? But as we think about that today, I actually want to ask you maybe an interesting question. Who is the reason for the season. Now maybe in your head just now, you answered that question the way you think I'm going to answer it. (laughs) But I'd like to suggest to you that the answer may not actually be who you think, at least not how you think. In fact, today I want to give you the answer, and I also want to give you two invitations that are related to that, because I think that if we don't figure out the answer to this question, you might miss what the Heavenly Father is doing in your story this Christmas. So you ready for the answer? Here's the answer. You are the reason for the season. Congratulations. 
I'm so glad you're here so it can be Christmas for me now. (laughs) You are the reason for the season. Now, I don't know if that sounds a little self-centered to you, if that sounds like I'm going sideways, if that creates a little tension. That's okay, because I want to show you another place in the Bible where one of Jesus' own followers is trying to help some of his friends understand how the Christmas story relates to them. And so he describes it in kind of a unique way in a book called Galatians, When he writes in chapter 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. Okay, so I know there's a lot going on in like those three lines. So let's unpack this a little bit. Because that first bit, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. That is describing what we now call Christmas. Think about it this way. Maybe you can remember back to when you were a kid. Or or maybe you've got kids and you see this incredible anticipation for Christmas morning to come, right? Uh, Me and my kids, every day driving home, there's this guy in our neighborhood who has the big, the blow-up Santa standing out in the yard kind of doing this thing. And he's got a digital sign that he's holding with a countdown until Christmas on it. 19 days, 18 days. Four days, three days, until you finally get there. It's like, Christmas, it's finally here. Or maybe you've outgrown that a little bit. Like you're trying to help your kids feel that, but you don't feel it as much anymore. But you remember how much you longed for your wedding day? Or maybe it's that really great vacation you've been planning with the family and you are counting down like how many more days, how many more hours, how many more minutes till I am off the clock and I am not checking my email again for two weeks because I'm going to go sit on the beach with my family. You know, maybe it's just this time of year when you get to see some loved ones again that you haven't seen for a while. You know, when I think about adoption like our story was about, I remember, I mean, I was really little, but I was old enough to remember I actually have two cousins who were adopted from South Korea. And I remember when um, my cousin Che was being adopted and like the wait was way longer than they expected between just paperwork and different things going on and just the anticipation that I felt like, when is he coming? When is he going to be here? Like enough time passed that it, it was no longer baby Che. He was like two years old by the time I got to meet him. But the first time that this little toddler, my brand new cousin, walks up. It's like, I've been waiting for this. You feel that anticipation. That's what he's talking about. Only it wasn't just a couple of years. It wasn't just 25 days. They had been waiting for this since almost the beginning of time. And when it says the fullness of the time had come, when this season finally arrived, God had perfectly predicted for hundreds, even thousands of years exactly when, where, and even what family he, God, would be born into as a human being. In fact, if you want to dig into that a little bit more, we just finished a series in our equipping service called Christmas Predicted. So if you didn't know this, we actually have two completely different services every weekend. 4.30 on Saturday and 8.50 on Sunday morning is what we call our equipping service, where we take this book We go line by line to see who does God say that he is? Who does God say that I am? What promises is he offering to me? Page by page, line by line through this book. And then we have the exploring service, which we're in right now. Taking this book and saying, is God really who he says he is? Pulling out pieces of scripture to understand more about him. 
And so as we did that in this Christmas predicted series, we actually saw four different things, including the star that Chad mentioned here a couple weeks ago in the exploring service. So if you want to dig into that, you can get that online, or actually if you download that new app that we've been talking about, Horizon Space CC is what you look up, you can get not only those services, but a back catalog of like 10 years digging into this book to understand things that God has been saying. And just for those in the know, this year's Christmas Eve service is going to be the first video service we have on demand. Meaning if you're not able to be here Christmas Eve or you're with family the day after that, starting Christmas Day, you'll be able to download that video service. Now when you think about all of the things that God predicted, the question becomes, why? And if you look back at those exact same verses, notice what it says. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Do you see that? That's a purpose statement. Okay, so like for you and me, I mean, I say this, like Jesus is my reason for the season. When I'm putting out my lights and I'm hanging out my stockings, and it's, it's because I'm celebrating that he was born. But this is God right here giving you his reason. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, a baby born. Why? To redeem those who were under the law. And there it is. That's God telling you, you are his reason for the season. Did you catch it? Again, there's a lot going on in those few words. So I want to unpack this with you a little bit. Because that's telling us that we are those who are under the law. So what does that mean? Well, you and I know laws are good, right? Right? (laughs) Well, hypothetically, an ideal law is to protect me from hurting myself and from hurting you guys, right? That laws keep us living in a way that we function well together. And some of those laws are designed to give consequences so that if I do something, I know here's the penalty I'm going to have to pay to get me back in track with what the law has in mind. So the idea of living under the law is not only that I've got to try to match up to that the best I can. The idea of being under the law means that the only way that I can achieve perfection and be allowed into the presence of God and into heaven is if I match the law perfectly my entire life. Let me explain it to you this way. Imagine that you got one small piece of coal every time you told a lie in your entire life, even as a kid. Those still count. Big ones, little ones, piece of coal. Imagine you got a piece of coal every single time you lost your temper. Every time that you had a stray thought about someone who isn't your spouse, a lustful thought. Imagine that you got a little piece of coal every time you took something that wasn't yours or fudged the numbers just a little bit or maybe just exaggerated about how much you'd really accomplished. Imagine a little piece of coal every time you ignored God, minimized his position in your life or his desire for you, Guys, the reality is, my stocking would be full, like, just from this week. 
let alone my entire life. And living under the law means that the law has shown me all of the places that I have received coal. I mean, this coal is essentially what the Bible calls sin. And if I am under the law and, and my thinking to myself is that I can fix this, you know, I, I try to find some good things that I can stuff in there too. Like maybe I'll, I'll make a year-end donation or I'll, I'll try to give an encouraging word or if I hear somebody ringing the bell outside the store. Like I gotta try to cram some good stuff in there too. But the reality is the coal is still in there. There's nothing I can do to get rid of this coal. All I can do is admit that it's already there. That's what it means to live under the law. Now let me tell you what it means to be redeemed. Because that's why Jesus says he was here. His birth, his death, his resurrection, all of that is built around how we are redeemed. You see, redemption means not only does he take the coal out of my stocking, he actually gives me a brand new stocking that is already filled with wonderful gifts, with joy, with peace with forgiveness, with love. See, redemption means, when when you hear the Bible use this word like repent, if I tell God, I can handle my own stocking and I hold on to this, then I'm rejecting his redemption. But if I repent, change my mind, say, God, you're right. I, I am full of coal. I release it to you. God says, Jesus takes all of that to the cross, pays the penalty, the consequence of every piece of coal that I have stuffed into my stocking, and gives me his good gifts. That's why he says that you are his reason for this season. You see, he wants you to know how much he desires to bless you. In fact, if you look back at those same verses, watch how he does this. He uses this incredible picture that he's going to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So take that in for a second. At Christmas, God is offering you adoption. Now, how many of you walked in here this morning saying, like the little girl in the story, I hope I get adopted today. Probably not, right? <laughs> or we usually think of adoption as being for children, you know, for, for infants or kids who need someone to protect them, need someone to provide for them, to take care of them. But in this picture, God is saying to us, to you and to me, that he wants us to receive his adoption and that through that we become an heir of God through Jesus Christ. It's a picture of incredible generosity. And notice this too. When it says our adoption as sons, there are places in the Bible where sons means sons, male child. Here it means a little more broadly children. In fact, there's another place in another letter by this same writer where he says, God says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Imagine Son or daughter of the Lord Almighty. So I want you to have this picture in your head that even as you sit here today, a grown man or a grown woman, you can still be adopted. And this actually isn't that foreign of a concept. 
Remember, we said that the Christmas story starts in the days of Caesar Augustus. Well, that's in the middle of the Roman Empire. And in the Roman Empire, adoption was much bigger than just kids. In fact, Julius Caesar had no biological heir. So before he was murdered, he actually adopted a man named Octavian, who we have come to know as Caesar Augustus. Now, Octavian's greatest aspirations in life would have stopped somewhere around excellent soldier in the Roman army. But because he was adopted by the king, he inherited all of the resources of his kingdom. As you dig into the history, something that I thought was so interesting about this, when Julius Caesar was murdered and Octavian is on his way to Rome, he says he doesn't want to receive the adoption until he has seen Caesar's will. He wants to know exactly what this means, exactly what he's receiving, exactly what he's agreeing to. And so he actually gets Caesar's will, reads through it, and only then does he receive the adoption, inherit the kingdom, and then he uses Caesar's resources to expand the empire. So imagine that the CEO of your company, like the founder of a Fortune 100, came to you and said, I just want you to know, I know we're not even family, but I have actually written you into my will. I have adopted you, and you now have full access to all of my resources. I mean, that's the picture that we're being given here, that the God of the universe says... I want you in my family. You see, much more than trying to balance out how much coal I do or don't have, this is an invitation to a relationship. This is actually an invitation to receive the Father's generous adoption. You see, then we have an inheritance that we can use to expand his kingdom. And I think it's very reasonable to think like Augustus did. Because we have right here, you know, whether you've got a paper copy or you can pull that up on your phone, this is God's will. This is God's living will for you. And every promise that he is making to you, if you decide to call him father, is in these pages. That's why we come together in this place to explore what is it that God has really said. Because adoption brings a lot of blessing. It brings a new relationship. It brings new resources. It means that I'm now looking to God as father and saying, I understand that, that like a good parent, there's a call to obedience to him. To live my life in such a way that I represent his kingdom well. And so his adoption comes with this incredible picture of generosity. And then that's what we respond to. So let, let's set the adoption thing aside for a second. And, and I want to tell you a story. How many of you here are Buffalo Bills fans? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. I am. (laughs) And you may know that. Here's what I want to tell you. Two years ago, the Buffalo Bills made the playoffs. For the first time in 17 years. 17 years we had not gone to the playoffs at all. So Bengals fans, I know you're here. And I I know how long it has been since you guys won a playoff game. I get it. But just hear me, we didn't even get to go and try to win a playoff game for 17 years until two years ago. When we reached the end of our season, we were 9-7, and and we were not in the playoffs. In fact, our only hope was for Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Steelers in their last game. If they beat the Steelers, we got in. 
And so I'm sitting around with my family and like my two-year-old cousin from Wisconsin doesn't know any better yet. So I'm putting Bill's gear on him and I'm trying to repeat after me, go Bill's, right? And, and at the very end, like at the last second, the last moment of the Bengals game, Andy Dalton threw a touchdown. They scored, beat the Bengals and put the Bills into the playoffs. And I was screaming. <laughs> like I was so pumped. And the coolest thing happened because after that game, Bills fans actually started donating to Andy Dalton's foundation. And I found this cool tweet, if you can bring that up, that early on, the Bills actually posted this, that over 150 Bills fans had given over $3,000. That's cool, right? The last number I saw, over 17,000 Bills fans donated over $450,000 to Andy Dalton's foundation. More than three times their annual budget. And I was one of them. They were donating $17 at a time to say thank you for breaking our 17-year curse. <laughs> and as I do this, I'm like, you know, Melissa's my wife. Melissa, that's so cool. I just, I'm donating to Andy Dalton. That's great. And hey, we live in Cincinnati. That'll be a good thing. And she's like, why are you donating to Andy Dalton of all things? I was like, sweetheart, you don't understand. You see... We've been trying for 17 years. We've been trying for so long to get into this place of blessing, (laughs) into the playoffs, and we couldn't do it on our own. And he just did something for us that we could not do ourselves. And I'm just happy and thankful, and I feel like i got to give some money away. (laughs) So I tell you that story because in that moment, like something clicked in my brain. Because I don't know how you think about God, but I admit, there's a lot of times where I'm thinking mostly about my coal, and then I start to think, I I better do something to make up for that. And so it's easy for my good deeds, my generosity, you know, whatever that is, to almost be like, I'm trying to balance out the scale. Like, I'll justify myself somehow. God, I know there's a lot of coal over there, but did you see this thing I did for Andy Dalton? Wasn't that good too? But in that moment, I realized... Andy Dalton is not God, (laughs) okay? But that's kind of how it is with God. That I could strive my entire life trying to achieve that perfection. And I will not be able to do it on my own. But through the birth of Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice that he made for me, through his resurrection to conquer my coal and my death, he has done something for me that I could never do for myself. And I am just thankful. Then when we inherit those resources, it's just like, this feels so good. I got to give it away. I want to give you another picture of this because there's a retired now, probably future Hall of Famer, Warwick Dunn, who played in the NFL. And Warwick is an incredible example of this kind of story. He had a coach who was a Christ follower, Tony Dungy, when he played in the NFL, who told him, Warwick, God has given you a unique position in the world. You have resources that not everybody has, and you can use them to actually change people's lives. And so in this picture, you see Warwick sitting all the way over there on the left. Warwick started giving away houses by partnering with Habitat for Humanity. And what is so cool about this picture, you see the little boy right next to Warwick, whose face is kind of peeking through. I think he was like 9 or 10 at the time. Future national champion, future Heisman Award winner, current quarterback of the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. And so now Deshaun has turned around and he's giving away houses. 
because he was so thankful for what work did for him. And as I began to look into this, I found this just mind-blowing quote that Warwick Dunn gave. Because it wasn't only the financial. That wasn't the only resource he felt like God had given him. And so a number of years before, when Warwick was actually 18, his mom was killed in a botched robbery. And in 2008, Warwick actually went to the prison where the man who'd been convicted of his mom's murder was... And this is what Dunn said. I told him, I forgive you. I was so at peace after being so depressed for so long. God has become the most important thing in my life. When I recommitted my life to Christ, my relationship totally changed. I had a tragedy, but so many blessings along the way. Work done realized he had finances to give. He had forgiveness to give. Because he had received the adoption and accepted that inheritance from God the Father. So I wonder, what has the Father given you? Have you fully received it? Do you know that the offer is there? Or have you said, yes, I want that from God the Father? You know, maybe it's connections or resources you have like Warwick. You know, maybe it's that you've received God's forgiveness and been brought into his family. You know, I've seen some of the generosity of this place. And even when I say that, it's not really like Horizon that does this. It's you guys. You know, the giving tree that's been out in the hallway out there? I never would have guessed this if the team didn't, didn't pass this on to me. But you have provided over 1,500 individual gifts to families here in Cincinnati through City Gospel and Inner Parish Ministries, nearby in Kentucky at Happy Church, and as far away as places like Belize, and that number doesn't even include those global gifts yet. I even had one guy tell me that the reason that he gives to Horizon is because he's so thankful for how much he's grown and how much God has taught him. He just wants to help other people get to be a part of that too. That's giving like a Bills fan, I think. <laughs> not out of compulsion, not because I'm trying to prove something to God, but because I'm just thankful. So here's the other part of this invitation for you. Call God Father this Christmas. See, because this is the difference between living under the law, trying to appease God, trying to prove something to Him, trying to redeem myself, compared to receiving that from him. It says, Because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. That word, Abba, actually just means Father, but it's very colloquial. It's like saying Dad. And I don't know what your relationship with your dad was like, but God is the perfect example of this. You know, that when something goes wrong, it's not, oh no, I hope dad doesn't find out. But it's like, man, I need help. I, I better go talk to dad. Like, could you imagine yourself? Can you think like a son, like a daughter? Then instead of being afraid of God, instead of trying to prove myself to God, I understand the relationship he wants with me. I mean, you may not be comfortable with this, and that's okay, but it's, it's almost like when you pray, if you're just talking to him, 
hey, Dad, I got this thing going on today, and I could use some help. I mean, it's just that personal. That's why he came to this place. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born. That's why we celebrate Christmas. But that's also how you are the reason for the season. You are his reason. He wants to bring you into his family. So think about how you might think like a son or a daughter. In fact, I want to show you a video. As we've been talking about adoption, you're going to see two videos. One of a little girl who's becoming a daughter and one of two little boys who are becoming sons. Let's watch. All right, well, there's one more gift. We have one more gift. It's not from Grammy, but it's, yeah, it's another gift. Why don't you carefully open it up. There we go. I want you to read it. I'm going to be adopted? <laughs> we love you, sweetheart. We'll always be your parents. I love you so much. I love you. I think they all agree that this adoption ought to go forward. Yeah, they all agree. <laughs> yeah, we all love them. Like our whole family is like the best thing we've ever had. Oh boy, that's great. I'm <laughs> glad to have these people. <laughs> that's really good to hear. Are you all ready to make the commitments that people make when they adopt? Yeah, I'm glad to be there. Um, so they're just really the best thing I've ever had. Oh, I just, so I can't wish, if I wish anything worse, I just wish that like I could just love these people for like the rest of my life. If I had any doubts, they're not. <laughs> Sean, I'm going to ask you first if you'll approve the adoption. I officially <laughs> say yes. Do you approve? All right. Would you show us? Full picture of the way that they receive that adoption. I, I think Deshaun is having a little bit of fun trying to keep everybody going. Like, how many compliments can you give in 30 seconds? But I want you to think about that now for you. All right, so here's your key takeaway today. You think about that little girl. You think about those two little boys. The girl opens the present. Right? It's not just that it's set in front of her, but she receives it. And I love the way that he says, I, I officially say yes. And he slams that gavel down. So here's for you today. Open the present and slam the gavel. You know, and maybe you think about opening the present a, a little bit differently than you have before. Not, not by trying to earn God's favor, but by recognizing what an incredible gift it is. That this is God's moment to write you into his will. And he wants you to receive it. Because God is a gentleman. If you want to hang on to your coal, if, if you clutch that that tightly, he's not going to force you to see him as father. But he offers it to you that you can receive it. You know, if you have received that before, if you have called him father, then you are his son. You are his daughter. And nothing can ever change that. 
Nothing can ever change his love for you. And so maybe for you, it's to slam the gavel down, to to do something active, to show that you have received that gift. You know, maybe it's generosity like a Bills fan. Maybe it's forgiveness like Warwick Dunn, that you're thankful for how God has forgiven you. And maybe there's even somebody this Christmas that you want to forgive. Or maybe you've never received that adoption before. And slamming the gavel may be as simple as saying a prayer. Just having a conversation with God to tell him you receive it. So let's pray that way now. And if you want to call him Father, maybe you just pray these words. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus at Christmas. I know I have a lot of coal, but right now, I turn it over to you. I thank you for your forgiveness through Christ and I receive your adoption. Thank you, Father. Amen. We are so glad you joined us today. We're going to remind you, uh, Tuesday we have eight identical services prepared and uh, it's going to be a great day. We hope uh, you're coming. If you still need tickets, you can go out to the rear atrium and pick up tickets for one of the eight services, 10, 11, 12, 1, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and then we're done. So if you need tickets, go out. Please pick up a ticket for everybody, including children that you're planning on being here with. We hope to see you Tuesday. Have a great afternoon.